All right. That was weird. That was. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a solemn day. But welcome back to the Lore Lodge. Uh, you know, there's there's the elephant in the room here of it being September 11th. Um, you know, for I, I know there's probably a considerable number of you watching this that uh, that that don't remember. Um, and honestly, that's uh, that's probably for the best in in your case. Um, it was. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It it was very early in my life, you know. I think you're you're about eight months younger than me. Yeah. Um, I would have been um, about to turn four. I think I was born in 1997. Um, and for me, the memories that I have, and I know, sorry to come out swinging with the the sadness, but I wanted to you know make sure that we were observant of this. Um, I. I have very vague memories that are really just associated with fear. Um, and I think that the, the the part that really stuck with me about it was, um, you know, when you're that young, when you're a kid, uh, especially a toddler, I was you know, three and a half years old, adults are invincible. You know, you look around and the, the adults in your life are, you've, you've never experienced death. You don't know what that is. You've never lost people. And to see the adults in your life panic like that um is is really a a kind of traumatic memory that i think a lot of people don't totally grasp and there there was a different form of intensity yep for every age bracket there obviously the adults who went through it you know their their first thoughts as far as i'm aware were you know oh my god we're under attack i can only imagine what it was like for people who were in middle and high school people who actually like you know saw it happen live on tv because after the first hour everyone turned on the news um for those of us who were younger uh you know kindergarten elementary school preschool i think that for us it's very much that memory of whole what is going on why are why are the adults scared that's and and so you know i i luckily did not um have anybody who i personally knew Mm. who who died uh i know that Pretty much every adult in my life was affected. Um, I'm we're we're both from the East Coast. We're both from Southeastern Pennsylvania. A yeah. lot of people uh, had parents who worked in Philly. A lot of people had parents who commuted to New York. Um, my stepdad commuted to New York for work for years yeah. uh, when I was in high school. So, and in fact, if I remember correctly, and you know, I don't know if my parents are currently watching the show, but if I remember correctly, he was actually supposed to be on a business trip in New York that morning. And his stepfather called my mom to ask if if he was in New York. And uh, I, I think that the opening question was like, um, you know, ha- like tur- basically they were like, you know, turn on the TV. Yep. And I was at preschool. Um, we had just moved into our new house. It was a little tiny cottage in Plymouth Meeting. Um, we had just moved in there, and I didn't I didn't know any of this until I was uh, older. But yeah, that was uh, 
you know, it was just this moment of like his parents were worried that he was not safe. And um, this is before before everyone had a cell phone. So they couldn't call him directly. They had to call my mom to yeah. figure out where he was. So for me, I was at preschool and um, I remember that the adults did handle it pretty well. Uh, where I was, but at the same time, it was still definitely like something was wrong. Um, and that's stuck with me a long time. And growing up in that, you know, there was so much media coverage and so much intensity around it that it was very formative. Um, and, you know, I, I, I assume you have experiences as well if you want to talk about them. Yeah. So for me, I, I don't have a lot of specific memories of the day. Um, and I think it was because my mom did a good job of kind of shielding me from the, like the newscasts or anything like that. But I know for, for my family, you know, we grew up, uh, on top of what it's called Valley Forge Mountain, but it's basically a glorified hill, but it's, it's high enough in elevation where if it's in the winter, if it's raining down at the bottom, it'll often be snowing at the top. But, um... We were right in the the middle of the Philly International Airport east-west traffic pattern. Uh, So there were planes flying by that house all of the time. And obviously, for that week afterwards, there was nothing. And so, you know, my mom and dad and and whatnot have always expressed how eerie it was after that. And, you know, we had a family friend by the name of uh, Peter Keith Ortali who worked in, I believe it was the South Tower. Uh, and he was with a group of his co-workers that morning, uh, and they were coming out of the building, and he remembered in the stairwell that uh, their boss was in a wheelchair, and there was no way that he was going to be able to get down by himself. So to the, uh, to, to the understanding but annoyed response of his co-workers, he, he went back, uh, and they made it, and he did not. And so, you know, he died a hero. But for me, because I didn't have a lot of specific direct memories of it, it wasn't it wasn't really that formative until hearing these stories as I got older and then living in Manhattan for four years. And every year on the anniversary, I would go down to Ground Zero or at least that weekend if I, you know, if it was during the week and I had a class or something like that. But being there really gave me a whole new appreciation for it. Uh, being there on the day, you know, being there for the parades and, and the, the commemoration and things like that. And the thing that I really want, it, uh, this conversation comes up sometimes because it really has become something that, that affects me deeply whenever I think about it or whenever it's brought up. And I think one thing that's kind of lost on a lot of people with the situation is that, you know, th- this wasn't even like Pearl Harbor. This wasn't a, a military attack on a military base. This was civilians. This was just normal people getting up on a beautiful September Tuesday morning. Getting it's, up. It's crazy to look at the footage. Yeah. And it was just a crystal clear morning. Gorgeous day. Um, and I think a lot of people, uh, I forget, we, I think you and I were having the conversation actually about the time between the towers being hit. Mm-hmm. And I think you would you would like in your memory it was several it was a couple hours or something. Yeah, yeah, and I, I remember like, being like I'm pretty sure it was like 25 minutes. Yeah, and it was. And it was it, it was so quick that nobody had any idea. Yeah. What was going on? All anyone knew was we were under attack. Yeah. And just watching the because so for those of you who don't who don't know I I went to school primarily for film but I also got a second uh, you know major in journalism as well 
And so in my journalism classes, we would discuss this. Uh, some of it would just be, you know, general coverage. Some of it would be, you know, ethics and morality of certain things that were covered, such as people who were, you know, jumping out of windows because the heat and the smoke was just too much. And, you know, the ethics of putting that on mm -hmm. the front cover of Time magazine. And, you know, would that stand today, this, that, or whatever? Um, but the coverage of that event and specifically when the second tower got hit and just when you, if you can, if you can manage to do it, which I suggest you do watch some of the news coverage of that day, be aware that it's intense. It's intense, it, but you know. it's just, uh, there is not a time I can watch that without getting chills when the second tower gets hit because it's, the collective realization, and if you put yourself in that moment watching it on the television at the time it was happening, the realization that at that moment everyone had their eyes glued to that television and everyone in that moment realized the first one wasn't an accident. And just... Yeah, because if that's that everyone was talking on the news, everybody thought it was a mistake. Somebody thought it was a Cessna, but people, like a lot of people, because the, the footage of the... the firefighter footage of the first one... Hitting. really doesn't give you quite the same yeah but even that it just like it hadn't been found yet so nobody really knew what happened and then so you know every news station is covering it and the world is watching and all of a sudden everyone realizes this is it was real this is uncalled for it's just, it is so out of the realm of possibility of what people thought could happen it's specifically in america and just because we're in pa especially you know, we want to remember Flight 93 yeah, in Shanksville. Yeah. The, what what did the guy say? The, um, it's the one guy who was on the phone. You overhear him on the phone. And he says, yeah. uh, and he says, okay, let's roll. Right before they go in and take out the terrorists and crash the plane. Yep. Um, yeah. And, you know, and just the, like, the bravery. Like, they, they didn't know where the plane was going. Mm -hmm. They knew something was wrong. Yep. But, you know, they, they chose to to fight and i like the sheer heroism of that but on top of that you know they 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 were doomed either way yeah and they they chose to fight to save other people's yeah. lives and that's that is extremely heroic and then on top of that there's uh you know the the firefighters in mm -hmm. new york um the firefighters the police ems yeah uh you know just the the first responders who really you know had no had no legal incentive. They were not being paid extra to go in there. They yep. ran in because it was the right thing to do. Yep. And I think some of the most haunting footage I've ever seen from the whole thing uh, comes from after the towers collapsed. And my roommate in college, one of them was a firefighter. Yep. So, of course, the firefighters have a very strong culture around 9-11 um, to this day. Uh, and, you know, for, for all the, you know, political disagreements I might have with them, John Stewart has been an was, incredible advocate yep. for, uh, for all of this. And if you guys haven't looked into that, I mean, he has been fighting since day one to get them the proper medical care, not just the first responders, but everybody who was involved yeah. in the search, search efforts. And a lot of the people who were involved in that are suffering from asthma and other severe COPD and other severe uh, medical conditions as a yeah. result of a lot of dust inhalation and things like that. And... I can't remember if it's Congress or not, but the, he's been stonewalled a lot, and he's been doing everything he can. But if you guys can find a way to look into that and give you more support, I, he he just recently made some strides with it, even more so. Yeah, but, he uh, he actually there was there's a really interesting set of uh, videos of uh, him and Jack Posobiec, yeah. who politically could not be more different. Yeah, 
um where you know he's he's like pissed he thinks that jack is trying to uh you know trying to troll him or whatever and finally he they break through and there's this moment where these two guys who disagree on almost everything mm-hmm. have this moment of like okay this is something we can work together on yeah and that's you know if there was if there was one silver lining of the whole thing as horrible as it was it was that sense of unity and it, it felt it really is a shame that it took such an horrific act to bring everyone together as much as it did but at the end of the day i mean it's just a nice reminder that especially now with how divided the country can be that we are capable of something like that no matter and that's a great recent example of it bringing people together yeah. i mean you know we, at the end of the day we're all here for each other at least the vast majority of us are and i think it's important to remember that as often as we can and i think Today is a good day, not only as a memorial to those who unfortunately were caught in the crossfire and those who sacrificed themselves to help save as many as possible, but it's also a day to remember that, you know, humanity can come together even in our darkest hours, especially then. And, uh, you know, the, the one of the things that I was thinking about um, with the... Uh, the firefighters is there's there's a video that Alex showed me hmm. where um fi- in case you didn't know uh firemen wear a uh, a monitor that if they stop moving for too long it starts beeping because yep. a lot of fire it's very real possibility when you're just going in for a regular fire that yep. you will get stuck you'll inhale too much smoke yeah so I can't remember the name of it but the, the it's called the firefighter wiggle when you're in firefighter training that it's like every 30 seconds yeah, you have to have to. movement yeah but um there's videos and again this is one of those things that only watch it if you're really uh you know in a, a stable state of mind but you can see uh that you can hear I should say the just dozens of beep it just individual beeps yeah from firefighters after the towers collapsed and it it's it's horrible and then there's the story of the uh the the rescue dogs who people had to go in and pretend to be victims because the dogs were getting so distressed from only ever pulling out dead bodies yeah like it's it's an intense an intense memory and uh you know there's I don't know, it's just i i have so many so many vivid flashes from from those days but the the one that i wanted to pull up was uh you know for all the absolute nonsense that came out of the reaction um because you know talking about the event and talking about what the government did after the event are two different things yes very much um you know there there are so many things that there was no excuse for but uh you know the the one line that sticks with me from that from what george bush got up and said standing in the rubble of the towers where he says uh Somebody somebody yelled, I can't hear you, at him. Um, like one of the firefighters in the crowd yelled, I can't hear you. And he responded, I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people who knocked these buildings down will hear, will hear all of us soon. And I think that's like... There was, there, there was no politics there. No. In any of it. It was a pure moment of Americans standing together. And then to see, you know... Uh, the Queen breaks 600 years of tradition and play our national anthem. Yeah. Um, to see, uh, I think it was it was a country in sub-Saharan Africa sent us like 110 cows to help. Yeah. You know, just like you know, outpourings from all over the world to to 
you know, give that moment of solidarity. Um, you know, I, I hope nothing like that ever happens again, but it would sure be nice to get back to a point where we're all neighbors and, and countrymen and not, you yeah. know, constantly at each other's throats over yeah. whatever bullshit is going on in the media. And it's, I think that's a good example of, on that day, it wasn't, it wasn't like America was better than everyone else. It wasn't that, you know, it was America or nobody else. It's like, it was your family. You know, we, we as a nation are like a family. And it doesn't yeah. mean that you don't help people outside of your family. But when your family gets hurt, you're there for them. Yeah. And that's what happened that day. And I think that's 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 what patriotism is. It doesn't mean that you only care about your family. It just means that, you know, there's a special bond there. And I think just as a day for remembrance, it's it's good to reflect on what happened in New York what happened at the Pentagon, what happened in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and just what what humanity can do. And not to be too on the nose, but I will say this morning I was, <laughs> I have a uh, a Twin Towers mug just as a, as a commemorative thing. It, it's not even 9-11 related, it's just a mug with the hey, Twin Towers on, on them. Um, I just want to, uh, B. Lewis in the, uh, in the chat, um, you leave a lot of negative comments on our videos, and I don't know why you're obsessed with that. You follow us, you subscribe, I guess you're one of the hate subscribers. I don't know what we've done to offend you, but out of all the fucking times, can you keep your goddamn mouth shut? Have some fucking decency, you piece of shit. Get out of my chat. Good fucking God. Just, like, the fuck is wrong with you? Also, if you watch the show, you know we don't curse. You know we try and keep this family friendly. Who the fuck do you think you are? To interrupt a fucking video where we're talking about goddamn 9-11. And the heroism of firefighters and fucking Steve Buscemi who helped out at Ground Zero and didn't tell a goddamn person he was doing it. To make fun of us for being short. Who the hell do you think you are? Go fuck around somewhere else. Go find a Twitch stream to bother. Jesus Christ. Anyway. Mm. Fair points. <laughs> um, but no, I just there was a moment where I was drinking coffee out of that cup this morning. And was sitting... Uh, you know, looking over my balcony. It just so happens that when I was looking up, I totally forgot that they still nested in this area. But uh, And I, I am not kidding when I say this. There was a a uh, pretty large bald eagle that flew over and it just like it was just one of those things it was like too perfect but it just it's it's one of the elements where it's like you know it's just a nice reminder just a nice reminder of of something beautiful and something overtly american on a day where it's very easy to be just morbid and and Sad. Yeah. Um, and to, you know, transition to other things that are morbid and sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Queen died this week. Yep. Which was met with uh, varying degrees of mourning and celebration. Mm. Um, Depending on what country you're from. Yeah. Uh, the Irish had no chill about it. Um, Can't say I'm surprised. Yeah. Uh, 
but um, you know, I know, uh, I know we've got a lot of a lot of English, a lot of English viewers. Um, it's about five percent of our viewership, I believe, is from mm. the UK. I uh, and you know what I what I was saying to people is, you know, I'm of Irish and Welsh descent. I yep. uh, I have plenty of reasons to not like the monarchy, mm. uh, especially considering I'm American. Yeah. Um, and we fought a war to get rid of them. Mm. But at the same time, uh, there is, you know, I, I, I will be honest, I will never understand the the way the Brits feel about the queen mm. or the king. Um, but I do understand that it was an emotional and upsetting experience to, to lose her. So, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of been trying to tell people, like, if you're American, especially... You know, if you're if you're not from a former British, like from, we, we're one of the former British colonies that got off kind of okay. Like yeah. we haven't, you know, we we got out early. Yeah. Uh, for but if you're not from somewhere that was a colony in the 1800s, you know, be respectful about it. I understand if people who you know are from countries that just were decolonized in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Or countries like Ireland, um, you know, where where things are still very raw. Mm-hmm. I understand if they want to be angry about it, but uh, and they want to celebrate. You know, that's their prerogative. But if you're American, Canadian, German, Austrian, Italian, whatever, just be respectful. Um, there's no there's no reason to to rub salt in the wound there. Yeah. Um, and I think that while we don't have anything remotely like a monarch um you know it's it's still be like losing i guess <laughs> mr rogers yeah i was gonna say betty white but yeah like we don't have anything like that no we're never we're never gonna get it you know yeah betty um, white was about but, as close as we could come yeah uh you know the queen was born into a life of luxury and mm lived a life of luxury and definitely did a lot of things wrong but at the same time she is a unifying force for for the brits and uh you know i i can appreciate that they have something to rally around yep. i think and you know with with the way that we as americans rally around 9-11 and july 4th and and things like that i i get it yep. you know yeah and i mean it's just you know it's the it's the way of their system i mean it's just you know going back to the geopolitical structure you know differentiations between the uk and the us being a parliamentary versus a presidential system you know the president in the united states is the one and only individual whereas uh it's the two names are of it are chief executive and head of state and the president in the united states is both uh whereas in the uk the prime minister is the chief executive and the queen or king is the head of state. Yeah. And the head of state essentially just functions as a, a symbol, the you know, a public face, whereas the chief executive is generally the person who's like making the bigger decisions and things like that. Prime minister. Yeah, exactly. And the then way in the US they're the same person. Exactly. <laughs> and in you know, in the UK it's it, and this was an interesting point that I saw as a wake of this, it's you know, it's um it's kind of like if if you're looking at it from a corporate standpoint you know chief executive is like the president of the board where or the chairman of the board whereas the head of state is like the ceo you know they the ceo does things um but in a you know a company that has that structure but the 
you know, president of the board gets final say on everything that happens. And there are pros and cons to having it be one and the same person versus two individuals. Um, but for understanding, if you're not familiar with that system and how that operates and why, you know, the, the queen was so yeah. revered, it's because, you know, to the people of the UK, specifically of England, she was the the public face of the country, even if she wasn't making all of the, you know, main and final decisions. Yeah. It is still a weird system that she technically has final authority in, like, uh, you know, legal decisions in countries yeah. that she's not involved in. Yeah. Um, just hiding the douchebag. Um chat yeah uh man this is this is a solid one i mean yeah it's, but, it's you know, bound to be we, we yeah but it was it was warranted it was necessary yeah. um and now that now that we've gotten through the the important you know observations of national tragedies to to sick to, of living through historic events to mimic what was said the the week after uh the saturday after the events of 9-11 where uh, the New York City mayor, I can't believe which, or I can't remember which one it was, but uh, he was on SNL. I think it was Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, wasn't it? So I mean, if it, it must have been. So Giuliani was on SNL, and before they started anything, uh, Lauren Michaels yeah, it was asked Giuliani. him. Yeah, Lauren Michaels asked Giuliani, "Are we are we allowed to be funny?" And Giuliani said, "Yeah, yeah, I think I think we need this right now." So, in, in reference to that, uh, we are now allowed to be funny. So yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically how I feel about it. Yeah. You know, the, the humor is, is necessary and it's important to not make jokes at the expense of the dead, but mm. you know, I will ha I will make fun of the fact that Osama bin Laden had an anime stash on his hard drive until the you, day I die. Do you think that was real or do you think it was planted? I do not care. <laughs> I, I I want to believe. I recognize that it was, has potential that it was planted, but I would rather choose to believe that he was just into it. Yeah. Uh, I, I would not be even... No, not even remotely shocked. Yeah. Oh, they want to see the boy. Come here. Arch, come on. The people need you. There he is. You're, you're apparently the emotional support dog for the entire internet tonight. I mean, are you surprised? But he's good at it. He's good at his job. Yes, you'll go, boy. Um... um Yes. Do we want to just dive right into Tiger Prince? That might be the way to I think it is. people up. I, I do love. There's the one tweet though where I, it's the Robert Robert O'Neill, mm. uh, one of the seals who yeah. was there mm. who shot Bin Laden. Yeah. And he was saying something about the raid, and somebody was like, you know, how come we never saw his body? And he's like, I literally shot him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I think I would know. Oh. Um, was but, that was that one of the first times? How long did it take for that to get declassified? Like that whole oh, we we knew it, in 2012. Well, no, because like they the the guy said is like that press conference. I think it was like within 24 to 48 hours yeah, after the guy was like, we got, him. we got him, yeah. But like what the details of that raid? How long did it take for that to get declassified? It was quick. Yeah, like much quicker than usual. Yeah, I, I think it was it was one of those things where we're like we're 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 proud of this one. Yeah, and you know what? They should have been. I wonder why Pakistan is still one of our allies, but I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the ramifications of the geopolitical things internationally. They got away scot free with harboring Osama bin Laden. Did they really? Wild. Yeah. Uh, I'm far more familiar with domestically a lot of the things that happened, such as like the Patriot Act and a lot yeah, of those the, things. Yeah, that, that was not good. Mm -mm. Um, 
But Patriot Act was rough. Uh, the way that our government handled it afterwards, I mean, Barack Obama ordered the drone strike against Abdurrahman Awlaki, who was a 16-year-old American citizen, um, you know, claimed that it was, they believed his dad was there, his dad was a terrorist. Mm. Um, but his dad was actually brought in by the Bush administration to try and help with Muslim and American relations mm. uh, and ended up being a terrorist. So I think that tells you a lot about what's going on in our government. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so his son, Abdurrahman Awlaki, was visiting family in Yemen. Mm. We're not at war with Yemen. Uh, and Barack Obama personally ordered a drone strike that killed him. So um, there were a lot of horrible things done in the name of the Patriot Act. Yeah, throughout uh, a number of different administrations. Yeah, it was Republicans and Democrats both. Yep. Just like horrible, horrible, evil things that were done to people. Um, but you know, that's, uh, that does not diminish the heroism of the people who were there that day. And I think that's what we need to remember most of all. The corruption of the system does not negate the heroism of the individual. Exactly. And speaking of heroic individuals, Joe Exotic. (laughs) What a guy. Um, what a man. We're going to start talking about the skunk ape at some point this stream, but I think this is what everyone's really here for today is is this story because it's one of those things that is so insane uh, that, like, th- this is my life af- after the beginning of 2020 just went off the rails completely. <laughs> um, but before we get to it, I do really quickly want to talk about donation goals because we need to eat. Oh, um, yeah. We do still have our September donation goals. Uh, you guys have hit the $250 goal, so you will be getting the cocktail stream. I am beginning to work on those. Uh, you will be getting definitely a pumpkin-themed one and an apple-themed one. Nice. I have not decided what the third will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, 500 is we will do a self-defense course uh, oh, yeah. about using the blue snow shovel. How to use the blue snow shovel to protect yourself against the Wendigo. Yes. I'm excited uh, for that one. <laughs> I think the, the total for the month is up on the screen somewhere, um, but it's kind of hard uh, to see. The uh, total this month, it looks like... That's wrong. That that's yeah. definitely not right. That looks like oh we know right because that's including that's including weird Bible. Yeah, we know we can't include that in the yeah. yeah. Um, that's so we'll be game. we'll be doing the uh, we'll be doing the math ourselves. Yes. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> seven fifty, we will do a skit where we put the Wendigo on trial for its many crimes. Um, my cousin Vinny style, of course. Yeah. And uh, if we get to a thousand, then there will be a Halloween themed sexy calendar. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, so, if you want that, I don't know why you would, but if you do, you gotta get us there. Um, don't, don't make us have to go back to the gym, please. I wanna go. We are going back to the gym tomorrow. Yeah, we you are. promised. Well, oh, no, I know. I, yeah, I want to, but it's just like, uh yeah, but uh, so it's those, more the diet and the exercise. Those are the donation goals. Um, you know, super chats are the best way to do that, and uh, we of course read all of our super chats at the end and make sure to respond to them. Um, so if you have questions, comments, make sure you leave a super chat. It can just be a dollar even. Um, and we have new drunk folklore coming out on uh, Patreon. That we do this month. To be clear, uh, it's not just drunk folklore. 
there are number like a number of different renditions of songs that were just replaced with Skunk Ape. Yeah. And I got some. Oh my god, Alien! Whoa! <laughs> Not only is the shovel video happening, but it will be dedicated to you. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Thank you, Alien. Uh, the the blue snow shovel self defense course brought to you by Alien. Yeah. Whew, all right, you are getting the self defense course now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god. So. Hi. Uh, <laughs> um. But yeah, there's there's several. Uh, Skunk Ape renditions in it. Um, there's a Say It Ain't So. Mm-hmm. We got, I think we have Free Fallen in there. Yep. Uh, did, do we do Useless? The Useless is yeah. in there. Um, basically all of the songs that he and I know on guitar. Yeah, I just kind of replaced words with Skunk Ape on the fly. Yep. How far uh, after we... about half a bottle of bourbon. How far did we get into 3 a.m.? Not very far. I think we got to it and I said, baby, it's 3 a.m. I must be Skunk Ape. Oh, did you do uh, did you do Lorelei as Skunk Ape? I think I tried. I think you did. Yeah. You, you didn't do you didn't do the Wonder Years song. No, I did. I should have done Hey Julie. Yeah, that would have been. Hey Skunk Ape, <laughs> look what you're doing to me. Um, uh, but yeah. So, but the Tiger King story here that we yes. have to go into. Yes. March 2020. Oh. Go ahead. Uh, the Rona hits. Yep. Some someone ate a bat. We now know that's not what happened, and it was actually leaked from a lab. But you know, whatever. Um, Careful, we might get t- can't. No, that's 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 the CDC's. Oh, well, it's not the CDC, but it's that that is the accepted. It is now. Okay, is that it probably leaked from the lab? Which I think anyone with a shred of common sense who looked at the location of the Wuhan virology lab and the location of patient zero could probably have drawn that conclusion. A lot of people did, but they yeah. were like, "No, that's silly." Um, but, you know, so yeah, that was uh, remembering Skunk Ape. Well, that's gonna be on it now. Uh, <laughs> we just gonna do an album of Skunk Ape. We could. Uh, so anyway, the world shuts down, and memes are on Instagram. Who I stopped following because all they do now is advertise for OnlyFans models. Um, and there's a meme every six months. Uh, they had a post where they were like, "Hey, everybody, drop your uh, drop your." your Snapchat usernames, we can make groups and whatnot. Mm. And I was like, sure, why not? That couldn't go wrong. Um, narrator voice. Uh. <laughs> but in fact, it did go wrong. There we go. Um, the <laughs> nothing can go wrong. Oh, no, it all went wrong. Yeah, that's where, it, that's kind of how it went. Yep. So I get an ad from a guy named Dylan, and I get a few ads from other people, and, you know, we're, we're just hanging, we're just chatting. And uh, this Dylan guy is, yeah, you know, basically, you know, was like, to be honest, I followed you because I thought you were cute. And I was like, I appreciate that, my guy, but I am, I don't swing that way. But, you know, I I appreciate the compliment. And we didn't talk for like a month Mm -hmm. um, because we had nothing to talk about. And then, nice. um, And then I start watching Tiger King. I finally cave, and I binge the entire show in one afternoon. Yeah, I still haven't finished it. Yeah, uh, it's it's a wild ride. Yeah, I got like four episodes in, I think. But yeah, I'm sitting I'm sitting in my basement. I've got Tiger King on. It's like the seventh episode, and I'm, I'm scrolling through my Snapchat stories, and I get to Snapchat story, and and it's it's Dylan's, and he's on a raft or a, a tube, um, and I'm like, ah, tubing. And then I look at the screen, and I'm like. 
And then I took a picture of my TV screen and sent it to him, and I was like, hey, is this you? <laughs> and he hits me with the most nonchalant, haha, yeah, that's me. Which I get now. Like, yeah. now I understand that yes. reaction. Yes. But at the time, I was like, how, how is your reaction so chill about that? <laughs> that's so, like... Yeah, now that you're in a similar position. Yeah, now, now I get it. Yeah. Like, if people are like, are you the skinwalker guy from TikTok? I'm like, haha, yeah, that's Which, me. What's the count up to now that that's I've had that asked to me seven times in public. Four of them were in Phoenixville. Yep. One, one was at Molly's. Um, oh, yeah, so... <laughs> we... <laughs> we... We start talking, because I have so many questions at this point. Naturally, yeah. And, also, we, we should clarify who Dylan is in the Oh, show. yeah. Dylan, Dylan Passage... Is or was Joe Exotic's third husband? Yes. Uh, not the one who accidentally shot himself, and not the one that was actually straight. Got it. Okay. Yeah, because one was actually straight and doing it for the drugs. Yeah. Uh, one accidentally shot himself because he said that uh, a Ruger won't fire uh, if the magazine isn't in it, which is not true because if there's one in the chamber, it will fire. Yeah, I mean there are firearms uh, that don't if you don't have a magazine, but a Ruger certainly is not, not a Ruger button. handgun. Um, and then. Uh, and then there was Dylan, who actually is gay. Yep. Uh, and doing quite well for himself on OnlyFans now. Um, he and I, I are on. Right, our, I guess. He and I are on close friends lists on Instagram. Gotcha. Which is just funny. Yep. I. Uh, but so yeah, he uh, actually asked me if he wanted to come on the show at one point, but he was like, "Nah, I'm not about that life anymore." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Um. So. Oh. But Dylan, uh, you know, he to his credit, he did answer all of my questions mm. about Tiger King. And it was exactly as insane as the TV show made it seem. Yep. Um, and his relationship with Joe was a lot less weird than I had initially thought it was. Uh, but he then turned the conversation back around to hitting on me and uh, was very, uh, very forward. Yes. Um, so I, I, was, I was able to calmly, uh, you know... Give him the the rejection and all of that, but uh, <laughs> it's just April twenty twenty. My life started to get really weird. Yep, and it did not stop. Yep, <laughs> and just for context for all of you guys, uh, after him cluing me and another friend of ours in on that story in a group chat, I changed his contact into my phone uh, to Tiger Prince. Yes, and it has remained that since. Yes, I, I, I my all of my friends have insane contact names for me. Yours is Tiger Prince. Norman's is like Aiden will commit war crimes, Mattis. Like, <laughs> oh, that yeah, that checks out as something Norman would put. Oh yeah, it's just whoo. Um, at one point, I think in Mandy's on His Majesty the Royal Funk. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, so I've got I've got all the nicknames in the world, but yep. yeah, I uh, I was invited down to to Florida by uh, the Tiger King's third husband, um, Dylan. If you're watching. Let's get let's get dinner sometime, but platonically. But I do have more questions. Um, also, I think it was really funny that Joe Exotic ran for governor. I completely forgot that that oh, happened. Yeah, as a libertarian, which is like, well, yeah, perfect, primo, <laughs> exactly what I want. Aiden Mattis, the holder of the Geneva checklist. <laughs> oh no. Oh God, no! Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so oh. skunk ape. So skunk ape, yeah. Um, 
this is this is the actual you know thing that we plan to talk about tonight. I feel like I've had a week full of skunk ape because we recorded it the middle of last week. Yeah, I edited it Friday morning, and then and then we did drunk folklore. Then we on did drunk folklore on skunk ape. I'm gonna have to edit that. And now we're talking about it here. I'm getting a lot of skunk ape in my life. Alien says I'd be Johnny Test in his context. Uh, Aiden, Mad Puppy, Mattis. That is what they called me when I was briefly a soldier. Um, oh, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. I was... <laughs> do, do you, I, when I say that... When I, when I say that my experience in college and onward was just... Completely unhinged. You really just had hidden all the check boxes. When I was a sophomore, I enlisted in the National Guard and boxed a Nazi. Yep. Um, have when you I told that story on here yet? Yeah, I have told okay, that story on here. Sure. Uh, I won. Um, when when I was a junior, I don't really remember much of junior year to be honest. Uh, oh, we had uh, we had a college Republicans versus college Democrats uh, touch football game, mm-hmm. and uh, they put a bounty on me. I got a concussion in a touch football game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when did you uh, break your ribs? I broke my ribs three times senior year of college. Right. Uh, in the course of three months. At least one of them was rugby. Uh, all three of them were rugby. Okay, that's that. There we go. That's so the broken rib that hurts the most actually is the one from uh, from fifth grade. Which I'm not even sure how it happened, but uh, one of my ribs cracked off, like, of my spinal column. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, it healed, um, but it Ooh. still hurts. Worked with Dylan earlier this year. It was interesting finding out who he is, right? Like, he he, he buries the lead so hard. Yeah. Oh, I mean, wouldn't you? I do. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm, never, I'm yeah. never the one who tells people what who I am. It's it's always my friends. Yeah. Um. The Geneva Violator. Good lord, you guys. Uh, more flavors. He's listening while driving back to State College. We are. Uh, Wait, what? Where did you, what did you read? Uh, oh, I'm going to say... Yeah. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. Uh, oh, 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 sorry. Yeah. I, for, I didn't go to Penn State. Forgot about that we thing, are thing for a yeah. second. Yeah. So, uh, that's... <laughs> uh, yeah. What a ride. And then, and then the Tiger King thing happened uh, senior year. Junior year, what happened was that uh, I broke a rib, like, late August. How many times have you broken ribs? Broke a rib in late August. Um, gave it a couple weeks to heal. It was like a minor fracture. Yeah. Gave it a couple weeks to heal. Played another game. I broke two more ribs in October. Mm. But... The next game was our last game, and it was the only one my parents could make it to, so I played anyway. Got it. Um, I went to the hospital, and they gave me morphine and then sent me home with Tylenol and, like, topical lidocaine. I, I, and they gave I, me I, muscle I, relaxers, which I I took at, like, 9.30 a.m. on Halloween because mm-hmm. I had class. And yep. I needed to go to class. And I figured by the time I was, by the time I was like, 7.30, we were getting ready to go pregame and all that. I figured I could probably start drinking. Mm. I woke up on my couch with cowboy boots still on. Um, there is a picture of me from that night wearing a cowboy costume, but I couldn't find a cowboy hat, so I'm wearing a wizard cap. Um, I love it. Man, we just did not get to the content we were supposed to talk about tonight. All yeah. right, the skunk cape. 
They'll see plenty of skunk ape. They will see plenty of skunk ape, yeah. Uh, But I I just want to really quickly touch on this, because it's so funny as a concept. Just the the bat tower element alone. Yeah, that's the one I want to talk about. Is like I feel like this whole thing probably started with the local indigenous folklore Mm -hmm. and people being aware of it. And this guy, uh, Clyde Perky, who wanted to get rid of the mosquitoes in the area, so he built a 30-foot-tall tower to house bats, because the bats would eat the mosquitoes. But uh, he didn't want to wait for bats to show up, so he ordered the guano and ordered bats. Uh, the bats didn't like the tower and left. They came back three days later after discovering they had nowhere to actually sleep, and then um, <laughs> they <laughs> they come on the third night. They come back and, and populate the tower, uh, and they go out the next night, and... They never come back, mm-hmm. and Clyde claims that it's because an eight-foot-tall, hairy ape emerged from the woods and shook the tower so violently that it scared the bats off. And, like, for a moment, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's plausible, and then you think about it, and you're like, that is exactly what somebody would say to ex- like explain away why their tower experiment failed. Yep. And it was 1929, so of course people were going to believe it, you know? Why is everybody talking about me committing war crimes in the chat? <laughs> because you brought it up. What did you expect when you put Aiden your is name? like the general grievous. Aiden is like general grievous to the Geneva Convention. I guess it's. Uh, oh, maybe maybe it's like instead of lightsabers, it's war crimes, and it's like a fine addition to my collection. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guess. Oh boy, but yeah. So the skunk cave stories, though, like, and they just progressively. When you hear about stories about, like, Bigfoot, they're usually kind of believable. Mm-hmm. Because it's usually, ah, yeah, I was out and I saw the Sasquatch in the woods. Yep. You know, and that's it. Yep. There is the one guy who was like, I was kidnapped by a family of Squatches. Um, Dr. Squatch? No, we're a Duke Cannon household here. <laughs> I know. Uh, you can see, it's on the towel. They can't see kinda the hidden, microphone. hidden but... behind the microphone, but yeah. Um, also, by the way, if you if you want to try Duke Cannon products, uh, you can get them at our Amazon storefront, which is in the uh, in the description. So, Mattis sounds like a lot of fun at parties. I'm not gonna lie, I am a lot of fun at parties. He is. He keep he keeps the vibe going. Yeah. Um, if you let him DJ, he will play either uh, pop punk or seer. That's that's about it. Or classic rock. I have a solid party playlist. My not a big booty mix. When was the last time you played it? Recently ish. Fair. Probably. I'm not going to say you don't play it. I'm just saying the general use, the, the usual yeah. is all-time low, some 41, simple plan, or Seer. Yeah, true. But some 41 has some banging party songs. Not like disagreeing. Not disagreeing. Letting them know what they would be signing on for. Yes, true. If they showed up. Uh, for those for those coming to our Penhurst night, um, the, the mod team mostly, but... Uh, you know, you will experience the playlist. Yep. Um, they are solid music choices for a party. It's exactly what would have been paid, played at a party in 2003. And I have the hair to go with it. I actually ran out of my forming creams. So this is wax. I'm a little more stiff tonight. I mean, if it works. We should give you, like, we should put wax in your hair and just make it big. Let's make yeah. it large. Large. Um, got rubbing alcohol and styrofoam. Uh, I will not be making, 
I will not be making the spicy styrofoam. <laughs> the spicy sauce. Oh. You got the Tannerite Roomba. Uh, better than the Claymore Roomba, I guess. Yeah. That Claymore Roomba is a bit, a bit less... It's a bit more unwieldy. Yeah. <laughs> what about the real-life erotica tales of Sasquatch? Huh? Yeah, I don't I don't know. People have weird interests. They they want to do some weird stuff. Um there's also I will give more Thornbury a Mohawk, no questions asked. I'd be a tall Mohawk. My mother is asking me to check my text messages for some reason. Mm, nonetheless. Uh I lost my train of thought. We were talking about... Oh, yeah, the skunk ape instance. But, yeah, so the next one that you get is, like, in 1946. And and according to the southern the southernmost skunk ape society, which I'm not sure why they had to clarify that they're the southernmost one. Is there any other? I don't think so, primarily because the skunk ape is in the south. I guess they were planning on expansion, Maybe. and it just never happened. But, yeah, they... Uh, they the next one that you hear is in 1946, and it's a guy who's like, ah, yes, the skunk ape charged out of the wilderness and hung on to my car as I drove at breakneck breakneck speeds for a mile and a half. Breakneck speeds are. It was 1946, like 15 miles an hour. Yeah, it was not going fast. Yeah. Um. And then you, it's kind of quiet again. There's like sightings here and there. And then in the 1970s, and it's funny because like Wikipedia and the Bigfoot Research Organization are both like, there were a slew of skunk ape sightings from 1971 to 1975. And in reality, there's like two in 1971 yep. that they reference. Yep. Uh, in one case, statistically significant. <laughs> Re- realistically insignificant. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's just like. The one where the guy calls the police and he's like, hey, are there any orangutans loose in the Everglades? And he's like, my daughter said she saw an ape that was bigger than daddy. Yep. Um, which, <laughs> and they just form a 15-man posse. I just love how many times I've heard the word posse in the past week. It's been a lot of times. It's been a lot of times. A lot of posse. When was the last time people like used the word posse when they were not referring to like... A group of, like, shitty producers in Hollywood going to a party. Probably a lot in the Old West. Yes. Um, the term for early medieval uh, household guards was posse comitatus. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Basically meant band of companions. That makes sense. Um, but it's just kind of funny to think about Beowulf being like, ah, this is my posse. Man. Yeah. What a story, Beowulf. It, it truly, we should cover that at one point. We should do a video on Beowulf. That would be a fun one. That'd be game. Um, but yeah, so, and then the other one is this woman who's like, yeah, I smelled something bad, and I poked my head out the window, and there was a skunk ape right in front of me with its child, and then the child clawed my leg. This skunk ape was not bigger than daddy. This skunk ape was only no. five feet tall. Yes. That's the other problem with the skunk ape stories, is they just, like... They range so widely, like, yep. some of the skunk apes are four feet tall, some of them are 12 feet tall. And then, of course, I, I tell, in vague terms, the story of the uh, Tsukalu, mm. which is the Cherokee devil, yep. which gets a bad rap. It's really more neutral than anything, but it's very, it's kind of similar to, to Bigfoot. 
Um, and it's got a similar story. Like, there's a lot of Sasquatch-style stories that range all across the United States, which yeah. it does lead me to believe that either, uh, you know, the, the natives came over with that mm. and it spread with them, or that they actually did, you know, experience something and yeah. have contact with some sort of other hominid. Uh, there's very little evidence for yeah. any sort of thing, but, um, it would be, you know. It would be interesting if it really was... Yeah, they've they've got a lot of various uh, you know variations on the story, but I thought it was interesting. But Suakalu is this you know a great hunter. He's like the Lord of Game, mm-hmm. and uh, you know kind of this the thing is like that's kind of similar to Bigfoot and also the Leshy, and you know you see all these comparative folklore elements that span across cultures, and you have to ask yourself, you know, okay, why does everybody have a Bigfoot? Yeah, like what's what's going on there? Um, so I, I like to think that it's it's likely that we have retained a memory of some sort of giant ape from deep in our past. Yeah. Uh, which is just weird to think about because, like... I mean, it makes sense considering, like, you know, Homo sapiens were not the only, you know, of that... Oh, no. What is it? It's King of Pilot class, order, family, genus, species, of that same genus. Yeah. We have Homo halibus, Homo erectus. Uh, um, what else? Australopithecus. Australopithecus. I can't remember how to say the word. Australopithecus? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, that's like the first one, and then yeah. you get into the, the later hominids and humans. Human, like Homo sapiens sapiens, which is us, I uh, coexisted with both Homo sapiens neanderthalensis and Homo sapiens denisova. What is it that I feel like? The, what's the one with the tools? Uh, Habilis. That is Habilis. Okay. Yes. Was, Habilis I, was the first one to use tools. Erectus was the one that walked was upright. upright. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a third one other than Homo sapiens. Like there's a fourth one that Denisovans. I, I, is that it? Those are the other recent ones, the ones that we share DNA with. Let's see. But part of the problem with those things is, like, uh, there was a woman who made a video on TikTok recently where she was like, in Indonesia, they discovered uh, uh, the skeleton of a, you know, totally formerly unknown hominid species. And I went and looked into it, and what actually happened was they discovered a skeleton of an early human who had unexpectedly high levels of, uh, like, East Asian DNA for where they were. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, had some DNA fragments from a f- previously unknown hominid. So it wasn't that there was a previously unknown hominid that was discovered that lived in Indonesia 7,000 years ago, mm-hmm. which would be insane. That would be a yep. massive discovery. But in reality, uh, you know, it, it was nothing, nothing remotely of that sort. And that's what frustrates me about people who are like, you know, uh, Bigfoot researchers and some of these conspiracy theorists on the internet and everything because, like, they they just want to jump so hard mm-hmm. on the little things and then they do it and end up seeming foolish because anyone with a grain of research training is going to go look it up and be like, all right, no. Yep. For me, I was excited. I was like, wait, that would be so cool. Like, yep. you know, I really hope that's true. That would be, like, such an interesting discovery. And I go look into it and... It's it's a nothing burger. You know, it's cool, but it's not what they proposed it was. I think my favorite uh, Asian Territory ape uh, headline of recent past is, I can't remember where it was, but it was in the past like three years or so, but a group of some form of ape 
in Southeast Asia mm-hmm. has entered the Stone Age. Yeah. Because they saw people using tools and they started mimicking the, the behaviors. With, yeah, Chimps in Africa are in the Stone Age. Yeah. Which is good for them. <laughs> we should we should stop them for their own good. Stop them at the Bronze Age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna make the sea peoples look like nothing. <laughs> oh, make the Bronze Age collapse look like a fireworks show. Might as well. Well, we, uh... we should go to we should go to questions. Yeah. Um, we have we have a number of a number of super chats here. Yeah. If you have not yet done so, there are 140 of you here. Smash the like button, like you would smash the skunk ape. Um, you know, show it some love. Skunk that ape. Give it a good old skunk ape high five. We're gonna that upset me. We're gonna ignore that. That upset me. I'm working to. I thought it was a bit more wholesome than smashing the skunk skunk ape. So, smash, smashing. <laughs> oh, we're going back to my Both roots here. Sna- smash pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that should that should be a Twitch stream. <laughs> Cryptid smasher pass. All right, so we got to read through some of these. Um, Okay, so from Heavy Burn Man for five dollars, we have the simple comment, uh, "Skunkussy." Nice. Uh, from Marco Pizzetto for two pounds. Uh, where's Guy Fox when you need him? Eh? I wonder. I wonder that all the time. Remember, remember the Fourth of November, the gunpowder treason plot, something like that. I haven't watched that movie yeah. in a while. Um, Dude, V for Vendetta is such a good movie. It really is. Oh my gosh. It's very 2005, but it's so good. Yes. It is a little funny because you watch it like now and you're like, ah, yes, this is a movie about how a Western government became totalitarian after assuming autocratic power to combat a virus. There's no parallels here. Nope. Uh, (laughs) What parallels? What are you talking about? Uh, the Reynard Show for ten says, "I hope you are both well." I, I would say yes. Uh, this morning was a struggle after drunk folklore last night. I love how he 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 literally he just put his paw on my arm mm-hmm. and he was like, "No, no, no, yep. head, yes, scratch the head." Oh, he he knows exactly what he wants. Oh, you're so. At least you know what you want. That's that's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to have. Um, yes, alien <laughs> for two hundred dollars just said shovel. Yes, that might you be, will get the shovel. That might be the best super chat we've ever. That's gotten. the best super chat we've ever received. Just <laughs> shovel. Plaz for five says Bin Laden had a lot of mainstream anime: Naruto, Bleach, and Dragon Ball. At least he had good taste. I don't watch anime, but I'm I'm told those are the good ones. Um, yeah. uh, the whole of Devil May Cry, Detective Conan, and a crapload of pixel hentai games. Mm. I don't want to know what that means. I have a vague idea, but the the idea of Osama bin Laden like sitting in his room watching Dragon Ball Z, just like. Do you think he ever did the Kamehameha? Probably. Uh, Somebody make an edit of that. You know, we usually say don't speak ill of the dead, but in the case of Osama bin Laden, 
Speak as ill as you speak like. as ill as you want. <laughs> speak more ill than the Black Death. I, I love uh, I love the one tweet where the CIA tweeted like you know in 1984 the CIA gave however many stair missiles to the Mujah, to the Mujahideen mm-hmm. to fight off the Soviet Union and somebody tweet, like replied and said and then what happened? <laughs> it's like every every time the CIA like. Every time it's mentioned that the government is funding some, like, Mm -hmm. pro-democracy rebel group, I'm always like, it's the GTA, ah, shit, here we go again. (laughs) The 1980s proxy war in Afghanistan and its consequences have been disastrous (laughs) for Western civilization. Uh, Alien says, you'd be Johnny Test in my context. (laughs) Gotta bring back the tips, I guess. You might as well. I gotta have the red in there, too, though. Um... Let's see, okay. uh, History Daddy for two pounds says Mattis is the Tiger King. No, I am the Tiger Prince. Yes. Yes. Perhaps the Tiger Duke. Yeah. The Tiger Lord. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the first the Tiger. Um, Count Tiger. <laughs> Baron. <laughs> Baron Tiger. Uh, Nathaniel McCoy Blue for five says I worked with Dylan earlier this year. It was interesting finding out who he is. I'm curious what you did with him. Did with what? Dylan. Oh, like yes. what you what you worked on. Uh, Anthony for five says Aiden Mattis sounds like a lot of fun at parties. Yes, yes, I am. Yes. I am very fun. Unless I get into my feels and then I have myself an emo moment in the bathroom. We've all been there. We've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, Iron Death for five says milk. Agreed. Red. Um, nope. Red. <laughs> uh, Iron Death also pretends says just a reminder Google Podcast listeners exist. Also, have you got, you, you know Google Podcast listeners exist. The show's on Google Podcasts. Yeah. Um, we do have to get the last, like, ten episodes uploaded. Yeah. Um, we're also gonna switch to Podbean, because Anchor doesn't want to pay us. Yep. I'm finally done moving in, so I will actually have time to convert the podcast. And now that you're done moving in, it's almost time for me, me to move. move out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, also, have you guys heard of the Larry Ginslinger case in the Black Hills of South Dakota? I was part of the search. I sent an email with more info. I will take a look at it. I had not heard of it. Um, let's scroll back up here. It's the 5th of November. I know, I know. I got it wrong. Remember, remember, the fifth of November. Uh, Erectus was the first player. <laughs> I um, hate the play. I hate the game. What's got in here? Thirty-one thousand-year-old amputation survivor. What? Like lower leg gone and healed. I did not know about that, but I'm not surprised. Neanderthals were like got such a bad rap from early archaeologists. Mm-hmm. They were very intelligent. Mm-hmm. They were ahead of us. Were they really? Yes, but we were bigger and uh, had, uh, like, they, they had thousands of years of head start on us mm-hmm. um, by the time we, like, evolved to the... To were the we world, the next Maybe. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, so the, the idea is that the Neanderthals had more time on us, and as a result, they, they came up with, uh, like, for example, um, like, technology with fire. For for like creating extremely high temperature fires, interesting. Like forty thousand years ago. Wow. Yeah, they were they were smart, but the problem was uh, due to their size and their anatomy. We so for example, they would have a lot of strength to like stab something, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't be able to throw something very well. So us, we got very good at throwing spears. Mm-hmm. They more stabbed. Um, so, and then as far as we know, we actually seem to have interbred with them to an extent, mm-hmm. um, as well as with the Denisovans. That is adorable. I just, this is, this is nose tucked in. Yeah. Yeah, that's cute. Are you okay, I know, baby? He's a good boy. Are you okay? He's a good boy. 
good puppy. So sweet. Look at the ears. Um, someone's tired. Let's see. <laughs> Stay at monkey. Crows are in the Stone Age. Oh, good. Crows are really smart too. Crows and ravens both. Yep. Um, we must stop them and the gorillas who are taking part in gorilla warfare. <laughs> Skunk ape smashed me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have now smashed my screen from smashing so hard. Good. Yeah, I got you. Some of these comments are foul. I will do the Smasher Pass Cryptid stream. I will do that for you. Um, what was the game? Smasher Pass. <laughs> also, that's the first time somebody's absolutely nailed the pronunciation of my surname, GG. It looks vaguely Italian. And as somebody with an Italian last name, I, I try to get those right because I know how frustrating it is. Hmm. Um, the, the number of, like, Piombino and Pimbino, Pombino, like... You just readjusting? And then I met an Italian guy, his name was Tommaso Sacchetti. Um, really rolls off the tongue. Yeah. But I, he, he said my last name, he, I met him at camp, and he was like, ah, Piombino. And I was like, oh, I'm not gay, but... <laughs> but, but you're tempting me. But... Correct pronunciation of my last name is correct pronunciation of my last name. Fair. Um, Aiden, how... Ah! I just saw all of these come through. Um, Aiden, how do we stop the chimps and gorillas from evolving further and prevent them from continuing actual gorilla warfare? Uh, well, here's the good thing. Mm-hmm. While the Stone Age is an incredible advancement, yeah. you know, that is a true leap from, from simple being an animal to being a, a society, a civilization. That is the first step. Um, and, and it is admirable that they have entered the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. Um, we have rifles. Yes. So I think if we have to stop the chimps, 308 will do just fine. Well, we have ICBMs. Nuke the chimps. <laughs> I'm just imagining like somebody walking into the, the Oval Office and being like, President Biden. We have a problem on our hands. The chimps, they're assaulting Liberia. And he's like, yeah, come on, man. Uh, and they're like, what should we do, sir? And then Kamala just kind of cackles in the background. And then we don't do anything and accidentally nuke Libya or something. Big red button. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on, man. Uh, nuke the chimps. Oh, God. Next day, he has no idea what happened, and they have to explain it to him. Um, <laughs> oh. oh boy! Uh, what else do we have in here? Damn, Bin Laden just like me for real. <laughs> Here, will you say that to? Especially do not say today. that in the TSA line. <laughs> yeah, history, daddy. That is the most cursed thirst posting I have ever seen. What hentai did Osama have so I can look it up for research purposes? Oh, Good Jesus. lord. I see history daddies in the culture. I had to look up where Lake County is. I came here in 1998, but I'm originally from Pennsylvania. I've become acclimated to Florida to return back, too acclimated to Florida to return back north. Well, if you ever want to come visit, Pennsylvania is nice. Plaz says, for the 24-hour stream, would you be interested in having me run a one-shot adventure of Demon Gate High for you? Uh, we'll have to discuss so I can figure out exactly what it is. But yes, if if so. Um, David Bradford says, 
how can I best reach you for your opinions on Bible translations and accuracy? Send an email to thelorelodge at gmail.com. Mm. Um, that is where where I will see it soonest. And remember to answer. Because I actually sit down and like yep. respond. Whereas with Instagram DMs, I'm like, yeah. That's just too many. I have like over 2,000 unread messages Whoa. on TikTok. No thanks. A lot of them are just people sending me videos, and I'm like, can you not do that? Like, <laughs> cluttering my inbox, man. Yeah. Uh, Michael Buchanan at... Oh, what just saw this. Uh, you heard of any lore from Sardinia, Italy? There's some really interesting pre-Roman Sardinian stuff that I will happily get into, not right now, but some very interesting like construction techniques, and it's believed by some scholars... Me included that some of the sea peoples were from Sardinia, Corsica, and Sicily. Mm. Um, and oh, so uh, one group, the the Equesh, one one of the nine bows groups, the sea people, the Equesh, uh, were circumcised, which would have been very strange because the Egyptians do not identify the Equesh as being Egyptian, uh, nor do they identify them as being uh, from the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. It's possible they are from the nation of Israel, which in, in which case that explains the circumcisions. But if it's not Jews, then there are no other cultures that we know of that practiced circumcision at that time. Yep. Other than like the Egyptians and the Jews and a few sub-Saharan cultures. Yep. Um, so it would, it would either be... I think Babylon had it too. Uh, but it definitely wasn't the Babylonians. So that the question then becomes, you know, what... You know, who were these people? It's just very, very cool. Like, it's crazy with those little details. Yep. The the boxes they open up. Speaking of little details and boxes they open up, do you want to mention the thing that you dropped on Weird, Weird Bible, for those who may not have caught it? Which thing? The dating thing? The Yeah, with, with the revelations. Oh, sure, yeah. So for anybody who's interested, I was reading through um, uh, Exodus for the last episode of Weird Bible, and... I look at the Bible, like, obviously I read it for the theology, but also uh, I'm very interested in the historical context. Mm-hmm. And so what I've been trying to do is pinpoint the dating of the Exodus, at least within 10 years. Like, I wanted to get within, I really wanted to get within 40 years. Yep. Um, and what I ended up doing was finding that, all right, well, it has to be after this building of the cities of Pithom and Ramses, which were both built under Ramses II. Yep. So it has to have been in the 13th century. Or at the end of the 13th century BC. Yep. Uh, and then I also found that the pharaoh who follows Ramses II, Merneptah, on one of his battle stellas where he's you know talking about his triumphs, he mentions uh, these various tribes. I'll see if I can uh, if I can pull it up. I want to read you guys the Merneptah stella. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, he says, the princes are prostate, saying, Shalom, not one of the nine bows lifts his head. Chihenu is vanquished, Kati at peace, Canaan is captive with all woe, Ashkelon is conquered, Gezer seized, uh, Yenom made non-existent. Israel is wasted, his seed laid bare. Mm. It specifically refer- references Israel as a person. Yep. And as a, a family, essentially, a nation, a people, not as a, a country with yep. borders, but a tribe. Yep. Um, this Stella went up in the fifth year of Merneptah's reign, which would have been 1207 or 1206. There was a solar eclipse 
on October 30th, 1207. Mm. In the book of Exodus, it mentions the, the ninth plague is the plague of darkness. Yep. And the Merneptostella, dated to probably 1206 BC, talks about Israel being vanquished. Yep. Israel leaves almost immediately after the plague of darkness because they the next plague is the plague of death. Yep. And Pharaoh's just like, get out of my country. Yep. But the Egyptians wouldn't record that as the Israelites, you know, forcing their way out of the country. They would they would refer to that as, you know, oh, we we drove the Israelites into the desert and they were washed away in the sea or something like that. So based on that, uh, since we know that Passover Mm -hmm. is in uh, March, we actually get like the exact dating of Passover. I have it in my notes somewhere, but uh, the first Passover, basically, I was able to date to, um, based on that that solar eclipse, if that's the plague of darkness, Mm -hmm. which is might be how you would record that. Yep. Uh, the first Passover then would have been in early 1206. Mm. So it's about five months between the Plague of Darkness and the Plague of Death. And that basically allows you to pinpoint, if I'm correct about this, pinpoint the dating of, of the Exodus yep. to 1206 BC. And it lines up with the Merneptostella. I've, I've seen so many people who are like, there's no Egyptian record of the Exodus. Yes, there is. Yep. There sure as hell is. <laughs> um, so I was just very excited about that because that's like, as as an as a historian, as an academic, that's like one of the most exciting things you can do is come across something that you've never heard of before. Yeah. It's possible somebody else has connected those dots. Possible, I've never sure. seen it. I've never seen it anywhere. Wendigoon hadn't heard it. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. It's, it's, like... it's possible somebody else has come up with it, but it was exciting to like, you know... Even though I'm not the first one, I did discover it on my own. To put those puzzle pieces together to create yeah. a unique picture that you've never seen before is in and of itself fantastic. Exactly. That was so. just exciting, you know? Yeah. So whether or not you believe that the events of Exodus were actually divinely inspired or whatever, it is kind of cool to to get to that point where you're like, all right, there's enough evidence to suggest, like, this is the dating for this. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? Oh, my God. There were a bunch of things. Uh, which of the Missing 411 style cases do you think can be connected to cryptic creatures? There's a bunch of them. If you, uh, if you watch our videos on it, I do usually at the end, like, suggest how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. Chris Tompkins is the one that sticks with me, though. He's the one who was, he was the, he was on a survey crew. There were four of them. Yep. The guy right ahead of him was checking back to make sure he was there every few minutes, and then without a sound, he checked back, and Chris just wasn't there. And remember, uh, remind us what location yeah. this is. Uh, it was uh, Ellerslie, Georgia, I want to say. Okay. Um, and what was in the road was, like, keys, some change, mm-hmm. basically looked like his pockets had been emptied. One of his boots was uh, stuck in a barbed wire fence mm. um, nearby. His foot was not in it. Yep. And then they found his other boot a little bit later in a marsh like 800 yards away mm. off the trail. Yep. I basically looked like somebody had lifted him up and held him upside down and run off with him. Yep. Um, which that, I just have no idea what normal explanation there is for that. Nope. Um, maybe maybe we are missing details, but, you know. I mean, highly possible. At the end of the day, that's, you know, that's why we do Into Thin Air. Yeah. Is to exactly. go and research it on our own. Um. Assassin's Creed lore deep dive went, ooh, that could be fun. I do love Assassin's Creed, yeah. Um, I'll get to that. Uh, 
Let's see, Haydens, have you heard of the Walaton Park Gnomes? No, but I will be looking into that because I love that concept. Yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, Caitlin Geertz said, for $2 says, hello guys, found y'all from watching Wendigoon. We love Wendigoon. Isaiah's a good friend of the show. Yeah, we, we're hard, hard not to love him. But thank you. I'm so excited for my birthday. He's going to be there. It's going to be fun. Uh, the Lord's Caliber. <laughs> um, drone the chimps. <laughs> I'm going to put that on a shirt for unqualified. You might as well. Oh my god. I'm, I'm, I'm making a drone the chimps. It's going to have a predator drone and a chimpanzee. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, if you're not using 30 odd 60 called chimps, I don't want any part of it. I'm, well, what about 4570, huh? Where's the love for 4570? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, love, I love that we're discussing the best caliber with which to perform genocide against the chimps. Like... <laughs> I mean, if they rise up, if they hit the Bronze Age before we say they can, yeah, gotta gotta stop those chimps, man. Yeah. Maybe maybe the gorillas will keep them in check. Who knows? The orangutans. Silverback gorillas are terrifying. They are extremely terrifying. Although my one of my favorite videos of all time is the one of the guy on safari getting charged by the silverback, and just the only thing he thought to do because there really wasn't anything else he could, he could do was just completely stand still and hold his ground, and it freaked out the silverback <laughs> so much that it just stopped. Because it was like, it was essentially just like, what is Tiny Pale Monkey doing? Yeah, like, <laughs> what does he know that I don't? And it's just like, <laughs> basically. Well, you also, like, people forget how smart these things are. Like, yeah. gorillas and chimps and orangutans are smart. Oh, yeah, orangutans are incredibly smart. Yeah. Like, the smartest of all. And, and they'll, like, they'll also rip you to pieces. But yes. sometimes, like, there's, I saw a picture of a guy who was, uh, like sitting in a pool of water, like trying to photograph something, and an orangutan like thought he was like stuck and tried to help him out. And you're like, <laughs> okay, yep. Um, no, they're smart, and like gorillas can learn sign language. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy it's really how smart cool. some of them are. What's my favorite Sabaton song? Ooh, uh, a lifetime of war. Nice, especially the "In the City Krieg," the uh, the Swedish version. Mm. I saw them do it live in Swedish, mm. and it was wow. And if you look up if you look up the translation of the lyrics, mm -hmm. I, I'm gonna pull it up because sure. I just Dionysus um, five dollars hello from Wayne County, PA. No way, I'm up hey, uh, oh. I'm up there like a couple times a year. I uh, if you're anywhere near Honesdale, that's where roughly where I end up. Uh, love this day, keep up the good work, folks. We'll do our best. Thank you. Uh, yeah, just um, the the chorus here. I just want to. For war it can destroy a man. I give my life for my homeland, but who will mourn me? So see me as a husband, a friend, father and son who never comes home, but who will miss me? Mm. It's like, it's the whole thing is told from the perspective of just like a common soldier. Yeah. Because so many songs and like stories about war are about the heroes and the generals and the leaders. Yep. And this one's just about like, this was 30 years where 11 million people died and for what? Yeah. Over, Cath over Catholic versus Protestant. Like, yep. I think it's pretty it's pretty baseline, but Wayne Tassaro's is probably my favorite Sabaton song. But then again, I, I'm not as familiar with them as he is. I, I they're they're just such a good band. They, they are. You know, the, the what an incredible way to teach people history. I know. And and in they tell so many stories of like average soldiers. Yep. Like even by name. You know, and it's just incredible. The uh, the Cobras Fumanches, uh, the Brazilian Expeditionary Force. Mm -hmm. I think I've told you about this one before, but like you have. Three Brazilian soldiers who were it ran into a fully like a full fledged German platoon on patrol and fought until they ran out of ammunition, then fixed bayonets. Mm. 
like they all died but yeah. uh the germans built a monument to them and they were like here here died the three bravest men we've ever seen yeah um like these guys could have surrendered yeah they were brazilian the germans would have just taken them and put him in a normal pow camp like yeah. they they were not at risk of you know nobody knew about the holocaust yet but they weren't at risk of that kind of thing they would have been treated the same as any other uh prisoner of war which is not great but not great but instead you know they chose to they chose to fight to the end and that is insanely admirable especially because it was brazil yeah like what they had no stake in it no um, but the way they got the, the Cobras Fumanchis, the Smoking Snakes, mm. uh, name was that there was a joke among the Allied forces that was, uh, it was something along the lines of, like, you'll see snakes smoking pipes before the Brazilian Expeditionary Force goes to war. Mm. Um, and so they, when they went to war, they were like, all right. <laughs> That's great. That's <laughs> there goes cool. the patch. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? Um. Nathaniel McCoy, we remodeled Walmarts. Wow. I did not know that was a thing he was doing. That's pretty awesome. Also, Wendigo King. I like that. That's fun. Uh, considering the time, these, yeah. I would say those who still have questions but they have not yet been answered, yeah. uh, send them in now so that way we don't miss them. Also, 30 minutes from home today. I love that. It's where I get groceries. Which, uh, are you near, like, Wall and Pompack, or which direction are you? Just out of curiosity. I still have to be hurt the bonobos. <laughs> also, a tribe of chimps has killed at least three silverbacks using pack tactics and spears? Please tell me there's a video of this. That's scary. Or like eyewitness account. Because that's... That's wild. And the story behind the last battle is really cool. We've been meaning to write a movie about that. Mm -hmm. um, and we just haven't gotten that's, to that's it. That's litter, right? What? Yeah. yeah. And uh, we just... Uh, last night started working on a film that has a working title of Asylum. Yeah. Um, and it was gonna, at first it was gonna be kind of a cheesy, like, found footage movie for fun, and then we got into the plot, and we've come up with a really good plot. Well, here's the thing, we haven't written together in a while, because yeah. we've been so busy, but then, like, you know, as we were writing, because we got dinner, and we were, like, you know, coming up with ideas, and then Aiden audibly said, it was like, wait, I forgot we're both good writers. <laughs> <laughs> wait a second, we know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Because we're we're throwing plot points back and forth at each other, and I'm just, you know you're you're coming up with character things. I'm coming up with like different like plot answers to different like plot holes that we have, and it's just like oh that's right we we know what we're doing. Ooh, no bullets fly is a good one too. The story behind that. But I'm not familiar. First of all, I, I I know the German guy's name was Franz I think, um, yeah. but I can't remember his last name. But the American pilot hmm. was named Charlie Brown. Oh. Yes, uh, but the story here is that there was a, a bombing raid, an Allied bombing raid, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the surviving bombers was limping back to Britain, mm -hmm. um, and it had it basically this uh, this one guy, I think he had actually already been shot down and he was going back up, mm -hmm. or he had run out of fuel or ammo or something, so he went back down and then uh, he you know went back up to go after the bombers, but once he got up into the air mm -hmm. and saw the bomber, he could tell that it like, Two of the engines were on fire. Uh, their doors had been blown open. It was missing, like, pieces of the fuselage. It was just clearly not a, like, combat-capable plane. No. And uh, he basically, if you, if you go and you read his account of the story, he says that he, as he was looking into the, the airframe and saw that there were... Most of the crew was dead or wounded. Mm -hmm. And then Charlie was basically, like, the only one and... 
keeping it going. And up there, it's so cold. Yep. Like, and the doors were blown off. All they had was their bomber jackets. Um, and he said he remembered his training mm. to be a pilot when he was in Italy that his uh, his flight instructor, who had been a pilot in World War One, mm-hmm. said uh, that if he ever caught any of them shooting a man in a parachute, he would shoot them himself. Mm. And I think his name was Franz. I'm pretty sure. He said that his the way he like looked at it was, how is this any different than a man in a parachute? Yeah. They're defenseless. They're just trying to get home. Um, and so... Rather than shooting them down, he turned around and flew to the uh, to their I think it was their left because mm-hmm. they were flying back towards Britain to basically shield them from German flak mm-hmm. and fighters, and he flew them all the way to the British Channel. Mm-hmm. And what makes the story part of what makes the story so incredible is that he was one kill away from a Knight's Cross, mm-hmm. which is twenty five kills. Mm-hmm. If he had downed that bomber, he would have gotten the highest honor the German military offered to pilots. And, and instead, he never got it. Yeah. Instead, he chose to save those men's lives. Remind me, what, what raid was that specifically? I don't remember what raid it was specifically. It was late in the war. It was a B-17. Not a Lancaster. It wasn't a B-29? No, it wasn't a B-29. It okay. was, those were mostly used in the Pacific Theater. Uh, there, there's one specific story. So the reason why I was asking because there's a specific story... Uh, of B-29s in the European theater where they were kind of testing the Norden bomb site's capabilities. Mm-hmm. And it was Haywood Hansel's kind of idea to go after, I believe it was a ball-bearing factory. And they just, like, totally didn't hit it. But I was curious if it was the same the yeah. same raid there. Um, you know but, what I, no, but I just wanted to... The, the last part of the story is that uh, decades later, it was like the 80s or 90s, mm-hmm. um, I think it was Charlie decided he wanted to see if he could find that pilot. Mm-hmm. And he did. Oh, and they met up and they great. became friends. That's like, awesome. And it's just like, it, it's insane to think about in the World War II. Yeah. Like, and, and to be fair, the, the Luftwaffe, as far as the Germans went, was the more honorable part of the military. And they were not involved in any of the ground warfare. Yeah. Um, you know, there were, I don't think there was an SS detachment for the Luftwaffe or anything. They, you know. It was but, just like normal warfare. Yeah. And again, everyone in Germany knew what was going on but you know as far as people who tended to be at least you know fair in terms of engagement yeah i mean this this is a prime example of them exactly um you know somebody somebody took that moment in the darkest period of human history Mm -hmm. and chose to be a human yeah and to you know save somebody's life rather than rather than just seeing them as the other team as the enemy looked at this guy and said this is not the honorable thing to do. Yep. And flew him home. Like, that is... And that is always respectable, no matter who it is. Yeah, that's incredible. Anybody who's willing to risk themselves to make the honorable decision... Mm-hmm. And then, uh... The, who was it? Uh, Albert... Albert Goering, I think? Um... For... Herman Goering's, uh... Brother? Uh... Because he... I think it's Goering. Uh... Because his brother was so high-ranking mm-hmm. in the Nazi party, uh... Albert was able to basically just use his name... Mm-hmm. And go around places and be like, do you know who my brother is? Mm. And he used it to save just mm. dozens of Jews. That's awesome. Um, I, it might have been hundreds, actually. But yeah. He, yeah, he basically like drove out to places and was like... A small scale taking these, Yeah, he was basically, I'm taking these Jews. Yeah. And they were like, why? And he was like, my name is Goring. <laughs> you need to know nothing yeah. else. That, that's I'm taking a great the Jews. story right there. Yeah, yeah. and he, he would bring them back. It was, it was the same kind of thing as Schindler. Like, yeah. And it's just like it's it's incredible to hear those stories of people who 
really did risk everything because they knew they knew that their side was wrong. Yeah. Like, and they didn't they didn't go to the other side and fight, you know, in the other army. They looked at it and said, I can do the most work here. And that was the most dangerous way to do it. Well, and that's the thing, is like the 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 willingness to put yourself in harm's way, or at least just in high-risk scenarios, mm-hmm. just purely because you know it's the best way you can help other people. Yeah. Fantastic. Also, oh. just in, in talking about World War II air combat, huh. I think it could be fun to have, whether it's just a Patreon exclusive or something fun, a debate show where we just, like, every now and again we'll debate something. <laughs> and I feel like you and I debating the Mustang versus the Corsair could be a fun How one. is that even a debate you'd, for you? You'd be surprised. The Mustang hunted jets into the 60s. It is still in service in some South American air forces. You would be surprised. Tom Cruise flew one in Top Gun Maverick. The Navy did a test of the Mustang and the Corsair. Well, the Corsair might be a better seaplane, but... Like I said. I don't believe you. Like I said. I disagree It's a you. worthy debate. I knew... The story of the Japanese soldier that fought till 1974 is crazy... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Dude was not ready to give up. Uh, also, Brad for 49 says, I've been binging your podcast work. Great stuff. Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you, Brad. Brad. And with that, it is approximately 8.30. Yes. So thank you all so much for this, for staying for this kind of odd stream. It was a, it was a difficult day yeah. to have our normal content. So, uh, you know, I appreciate that you guys stuck around, even though it was a little bit on the more solemn side for... A, a large portion of the stream. Yeah, at least the first half, yeah. Yeah. But we hope we made up for it with, with the second half. Yeah, I mean, exactly. not necessarily made up for it, <laughs> but yeah. you know. Pro- cheered y'all up. Yes. So, thank you guys so much for, for sticking around. And, uh, you know, if you want to see the drunk folklore that we just shot, that should be up sometime in the next couple weeks on Patreon. Yep. And you can get it for just a dollar a month. So, you know, feel free to check that out. Mm-hmm. And we will see you guys on the next one.